Let's begin by, by worshipping our Heavenly Father through the words, Blessing and honour, glory and power be unto the Ancient of Days. Loving Father, we give you blessing and honour, glory and power, for you are from everlasting to everlasting, and yet you have called us to be your children. We thank you, Father, for this honour and blessing that you would give us by your grace. Bless us as we meet this morning, that we can be drawn closer to you in our thoughts, in our prayers, in our worship, in, in our meditations, that we can find strength, that we can enliven our hope and strengthen our faith and comfort one another, Father, from, from your word and, and the time that we spend together. We pray that we can do things which are pleasing before you and which are encouraging for us, Father, and that you will help us in this endeavour. We ask that you'll be with John as he, as he exhorts us and, and, and all the different people who will do different parts of this service, Father. Give them strength to fulfil the things they've got to do. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I've got the announcements for you. Kate passed me some care news. Some of you might have heard that on Friday, Mary was uh, started off with a chest infection and was very, very poorly. And Jack had been told that it was very, very serious. But the word that we have this morning, uh, Vicky spoke to Jack this morning, and Mary slept well last night, and this morning was eating breakfast and uh, requested a paper. So, yeah, she's obviously better than her doctors were expecting, but she is, however, still very, very ill. Jack is struggling, and they both need our prayers and support. Please remember Sarah and Tony and Adam, uh, and also Norman and Margaret, uh, in this very difficult time. Whilst Jack appreciates contact, he does find the phone ringing very stressful, as he assumes the worst. So it may be helpful to call him instead during visiting times when you know that he's not going to be there and, and leave a message on, on the answer phone. Obviously, we should remember Jack and, and Mary in, in our prayers. Anne Curtin thanks everyone for their cards and prayers. And she's recovering well from her operation, but, but still gets, gets quite tired. She hopes to be with us all soon. We've had a card from Elizabeth and Martin thanking us for the card and flowers that were sent on the birth of their son, Jack. The card that they sent is on the uh, notice board at the back. Again, we remember... Becky, in the last, last few days, last few weeks of her pregnancy, and we, we pray that all will be well and that, uh, that all, all goes according to plan. Also, we, we think of, uh, of others that uh, we haven't seen for a, for a while, people like Haley and Eloise, Sarah Lewis and Tammy. And also, uh, let's remember Matt, who is, is struggling a little bit at the moment. So we should remember... Uh, our brothers and sisters in our, in our prayers and we should also remember the plans and the arrangements that, that we've put together and we pray that the Lord will bless in the coming weeks and months 
Before we pray together, uh, does anybody have anything else they would they would wish to raise before the Lord with us all this morning? I have one. Um, I heard during the week, some of you may remember, two or three years ago, there was a family from the Midlands who lost two of their children off, uh, off a beach in North Wales who, who drowned. One of their surviving children had a, a heart attack a week ago and, um, and it seems he's not likely to recover. And I, I believe he, he's married with a, a young family himself. So, um, one... I think one, one automatically struggles with, with, with losing and the effect of, of, of suffering and, and death in that manner. And, and so I think that was important that we, we, we thought about them this morning as well in our prayer and for, for whatever peace the Lord can bring and comfort that uh, that, that, that can happen. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we lift before you in to your hands, remembering that, uh, in a sense, we we are already surrounded and, uh, and and protected by you. Many of the people that we know and love, and people who we don't know, but still care for. And Father, the way that you work with us as your children, we recognise isn't always fair. In the, in the sense that we would expect in life it doesn't always feel right from our perspective but we know that you do love and you do care and we know that there is a point in the future where you have promised that the things that, that we all suffer as mankind will, will disappear we look for that day, Father, and we, we pray for the Lord to return. But in the meantime, we, we think about those people who really need practical care, who really need your strong arms around them. And we, we think of the family in, in the Midlands who, who uh, we probably feel very lost, I'm sure, we lift you before, not knowing exactly what to say, think or feel, Father, but knowing that you know what you are doing and, and how you are working. We think about Jack and Mary, and we are thankful that, that Jack and Mary have some further time. And we pray that you will give them both your peace, Father, that peace which... The Lord promised he would leave with us the peace which passes all understanding. That they can feel that you continue to be with them and at work in their lives. We thank you for helping Anne recover. And we pray for Becky and, and Julian and, and, and the baby that's, that's growing. That we would pray all those those things can go smoothly and that we can rejoice in, in, in new life. And we think about that, about the people that maybe are, are a bit lost from us, people who are struggling for all sorts of different reasons. 
Help us to know what we can do, what we can say. But most of all, Father, help, help somebody, help something, touch them. That they can continue or to, to have that, that faith in you. Burn, burn strongly. There are many other people and, and Father, we, we, we remember in our hearts and, and our minds on, on a regular basis so we, we know that you know who they are even if we're not talking about names and places and times. We with them, Father, we ask. Not, not just for our own sakes, not because we were asking, but because of our Lord, because of the things that you promised in him. Amen. Before John exhorts us, he's asked us to read together Colossians, chapters 3 and 4. And Isa, please, is going to lead us in the reading of Colossians chapter 3, and then Johnny chapter 4. Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, but for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall, you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have, and <clears throat> have put on the, the new life uh, yourself which is being renewed in knowledge in knowledge in the image of its creator here there is no Greek no Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian or Scythian, slave or free but Christ is all and is in all therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And overall, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the, let the word of Christ dwell in, your, in you richly as you, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit your, to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your, your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes that their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for, for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide yourselves, your slaves, with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justus, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for you that he is working hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. 
Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you may in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Before John speaks to us, I thought it would be good to sing together some of the, uh, the words and the thoughts which, which we pick out from the reading today. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. John, come and exhort us, please. Good morning, everybody. On Mothering Sunday... Uh, Andrew and I went to see her mother in Hetman White near Leeds and we went to the White meeting in the afternoon and um, speaking brother opened his comments by quoting from the first couple of chap- verses of Psalm 125 which I'll just read a minute he said those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be shaken but endures forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Lovely words, grand words, but then he paused and stopped, and he said, these are very grand words, brothers and sisters, but the problem is, we live in the real world. We live in a world which is unlikely to embrace such great ideas as expressed in that psalm, and Obviously, the things we've been hearing this morning, we certainly need to embrace the contents of that psalm. But we're living in a a fast and fierce world which, as I said, does not recommend or lead us to think such things. In fact, perhaps the opposite. Um, As many of you know, I have an allotment. And uh, nothing could be more British, I think, than perhaps the well-meaning, ostensibly well-meaning organisation and running of a piece of garden Uh, it's very nice, you dig it, you plant it, you sow it, you reap the crops and enjoy eating them and engage in all sorts of social activity and yet it's quite surprising how political it is in the allotment association Um, there's all sorts of gossip, backbiting criticism, discord to the extent that somebody broke a minor regulation was growing hanging baskets and selling them to pay for his seed and his fertilizers and things and the other members got so irate about it they actually set some of his products on fire and poisoned his water butts so that when he watered the plants they subsequently died now I keep, I keep well out of this I, I say hi to everybody I don't know most of them and they think I speak a bit odd anyway but so, that, so it's quite interesting. But um, if this happens in the presence of a very humble garden site, in something which really people should enjoy and relax in and, 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 and appreciate the wonders of nature, we should not expect much different, if you think about it, from governments of countries, from various factions between religions, between businesses, between race and cultures. 
And that's what we're going to have to face in the outside world there, because we live in a real world which doesn't embrace the beauty of what the scriptures teach us. Now there's another strong indication, I think, of the surrounding influences of our world. They have recently unfolded and are yet to unfold. Um, April the 23rd celebrated St George's Day and all sorts of people went round with cars with the English ensign on the on, on the um, car radios sticking out of the out of the windows and on the uh, the roof racks. You probably saw them and running around with these red and white flags on. Um, this will be carried forward to, I presume, the celebration of the World Football Cup fairly soon. Um, and I'm sure that's what will happen. I mean, the house across the road from us looks rather like the Houses of Parliament. He's got that many flags and buntings, and his whole garage is covered in a massive picture of the English flag. And that's he's making a protest, I suppose, on that behalf. And then, of course, following the demonstration of such flags and bunting, there's a general election where the occupants of their houses um, decide to tell you who to vote for by sticking outside their house a particular party they wish to vote for. Why all this display, one asks oneself, in a logical, sensible world? Am I going to the World Cup football match just because my neighbour decides to decorate the front of his house with all these flags and bunting and signs? Would one wish to vote for party A, B or C because my neighbour tells me that he is going to vote for party A, B or C. I don't know. Maybe, without being too cynical, maybe St George's Day renewed a bit of patriotism, whatever that achieves. Maybe winning the World Cup will make a lot of people very happy, I suppose. And I suppose a change of government will bring changes and improvements to our New England, a new United Kingdom, uh, we know, we hope, but who knows? But let's not hold our breath with this change of government. The problem with the real world is that it is fallible and insecure, brothers and sisters, and regarding the general election, so are the politicians. Many of the politicians will be motivated and they will be controlling much of our lives, we know, legally, etc., Many of the politicians may be well motivated and have good intentions and good purpose in mind. But I read recently of a frightening list of statistics regarding the life and behaviour of some of those, more than half in fact, of those who occupied the 635 seats of the House of Commons a year or so ago. A number of them have been ousted, but it might shock you to realise the behaviour and life of men now voted to the government of this country to control the social structures and much many parts of our lives. I would just like to read you the list for what it's worth, because we're living in a world which doesn't embrace the security and protection of the Almighty God. Of those 635 members of Parliament which have just been changed over, well some of them will be back in, 29 were accused of spouse abuse, 7 were arrested of fraud, 19 were accused of writing cheques that weren't honoured, 
117 were directly or indirectly involved in bank bankrupting at least two businesses. Three are in jail for assault. Takes it down to 632, I suppose. 71 cannot get a credit card because they have bad credit rating. Four have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 have been defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drink driving in the last year. That is a profile of the behaviour of the men who run the politics of this country, and they are controlling the real world which you and I live in. And yet, they will be voting on and churning out laws which help to control us and keep us in line. You might be, you might have remembered when Tony Blair came to government because he is a confessed Christian, as is George Bush. An interviewer said to him, "Will you be praying together with George Bush?" And I had to watch that interview, and he very indignantly said, "Of course not." So isn't it strange that these men seem to be leaving in certain things behind their backs in their private lives, but not wishing to make them public? Um, I don't want to sound unthankful and negative this morning. I'm coming over that way, but these are the facts of life in which we are endeavouring to serve God and walk in the footsteps of Jesus, surrounded by a world which is real to us, and we have to avoid the trends of it.、Um, and the reason I refer to these current trends is that the ever-present influence of this real world is that it. Flies so much in the face of the assurance, hope, and beauty that comes from the scriptures, and in particular this letter which Paul wrote to those in、uh, Colossae. I know I've already said, and I do fully appreciate the comparative, well-intended ambience of our current social structures, but again. There are subtle distractions, even in those things set out to protect us, brothers and sisters. And, for instance, have you noticed the growing army of sherbet-coloured-coated men and women who are now inhabiting our roads and our working sites and our workplaces? You know, the fluorescent-coloured,、uh, the fluorescent-coloured coats that they wear. I, I just thought I, if you haven't seen them. Um, you've probably seen these fluorescent-coloured coats. You're seeing them more and more and more because they are now part of the health and safety legal requirements expected of people working in certain places. In fact, I visited a warehouse the other day, and I was looking for a certain person. And I went in one door. I walked through the warehouse and found his office and found him. And we were about to return the way I came. He said, "Oh no, no, no! You can't go through there." I said, "Oh, that's I've just come that way." He said, "No, no, no, you can't go through there." He said, "You haven't got a yellow coat on." I, oh, I said, is, "Is that so?" He said, "Well, yes." He said, "A box might fall on your head, or a forklift truck might go over your toe." I said, "All right, okay then." So I had. He said, "Will you go out that door and I'll meet you outside?" So I had to go out through another door and I met him outside. And then another place, I was barred from going in the car park. He said, "Well, if you come again, you have to wear a yellow coat." So now I know this may sound cynical. This is all meant to protect us. And it's all meant to、um, help assure our safety. 
I think at the fellowship weekend, in the park up there, I saw a number of people with yellow coats. I don't know if that was by choice or by requirement, because it was a public event. And the other day I saw a whole, a whole line of children walking down the street with orange coats on. They looked like a lot of mobile phones on legs, actually. And, um, and, and, and they were there because of, of safety and protection. Now, this is fine, and you're saying to me, yes, brother John, but this is very, very important, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, mock me. I'm not mocking anything at all, because there are a host of other things in place to regulate, control, and rule our social lives. And in themselves, they're very, very good in protecting society, but there is a subtle aspect to the missing the point, brothers and sisters, of the real essential spiritual protection that men and women should be developing. And these processes which feed the mind and then the life, build faith in God and enrich your behaviour and create well-being between friends and neighbours by the adoption of absolute love and care and passion for other people. It is through the development of sound moral principle that protection and safety and security comes. And the assurance of God's word teaches us that. Yet, these yellow coat mentalities and all the many regulations, they go a step further, which is quite dangerous to us. As I will now read from this newspaper article, and it says... The controversial war memorial case where somebody sprayed lots of paint over a war memorial. The controversial war memorial case comes after a senior judge ruled on Thursday that Christian beliefs had no right to protection in law. Lord Justice Laws, interesting name, set a precedent that will prevent the courts from extending any protection to Christians who act according to their beliefs. You must wear a yellow coat, John, because an apple might fall on your head, but your Christian faith cannot be protected because to us it is not important. That is the real world, brothers and sisters. And it will gradually engage and engross and surround us Unless our focus is on the fact that the Lord does surround Mount Zion and he does protect people well beyond the protection of yellow coats and laws and regulations and hard hats, etc., etc. And I think actually before I came out of this particular warehouse where I was supposed to wear a yellow coat, I cut my hand in two places. So it wasn't very, I wasn't being protected very much in the end from that. And so, with this build-up of looking about around us and being aware of the subtleties which may well gradually erode and eat away at our faith, we come to this wonderful letter this morning, which is the real exhortation. My opening comments are warnings of what is out there in which, amongst the things we live through and are controlled by, but nonetheless, let it not blind our visions to the real passion and hope and assurance which comes to us from the scriptures and from this letter from Paul in particular. Colossae, I suppose, as commentators tell us, was a little bit like the United Kingdom. Decades before this letter, it had been a famous, prestigious and powerful town or town. But at the time of Paul's writing, it had declined into a very second-rate town because of the materialism and the growth and prosperity of similar places like Laodicea and, and so on. And we all know how 
we all remember, don't we, how the Apostle Paul ends his letter to the Corinthians, the first letter, when he says, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity. The greatest of these is love. And it's lovely, I think, how he opens this particular letter to the Colossians with that same embracing recommendation. And he says in that first chapter, uh, reading in it verse 3, We always thank the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. And then he says these three lovely words, these ideas. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So, through faith and love, the really protective uh, principles of our Christian walk comes hope in God. Faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these, of course, is love. Faith, hope and charity, they are the, they are the whole package for protection and assurance. And by, em- by em- em- embracing and following them, brothers and sisters, we will never come to real danger from the real world. Problems, challenges, yes, weaknesses, illness, and, 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 and worse, we know that. But it's what's really Im- protected and maintained, which is of importance, of course, to us. So there is a need for hope, amongst all of us, perhaps. And real hope, not as the world promises in its security, which really has very little hope. But confidence and faith that something is stored up for us. It's a lovely idea that. It's stored up. It's been powerfully and irrecoverably invested by God. It is held, our hope is held in prospect in heaven by God to be ultimately revealed when he desires to do so. And as we know, hope, of course, in its fullest sense, means an expectation and desire of something to happen. We need an expectation of it and a desire for it. We need to urgently yearn for this redemption and, of course, demonstrate this in our personal life. And I wonder sometimes if we do enough. If we are too cosseted by the laws and protections of this country that uh, we feel they perhaps are more important. Um, I couldn't help pondering to myself when observing all these flags and the bunting of St. George and the World Cup to come and the vote for signs that appeared outside people's houses, I couldn't help pondering, brothers and sisters, what, what flag am I flying? What ensign am I hoisting? What colours Am I nailing to the mast of my voyage? Who does the placard of my life show that I vote for? It's interesting, actually, isn't it? These people around us are willing to show you what they follow and believe in and vote for. But maybe do I show them enough what I stand for, what I believe we're coming, who my saint is, and who I wish to vote for to govern me now and in the future? Interesting questions, searching questions, and I think by 
directing the question like this to ourselves, we are embracing the twofold process uh, which hope involves. Number one, of course, I have referred to it. We have hope in something which is stored up in heaven by God for us to be revealed, to be revealed in due time. And then the other part of the process in this chapter one of Colossians, and this is by no means an exhaustive review this morning, so Andrew might feel comforted by that since he can finish it off tonight. Uh, it's by no means an exhaustive review, it's just a, it's a looking at some of these salient particular points in this lovely, lovely letter. Um, the other part of the process, in addition to our hope, is verse 26 of chapter 1, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the saints. It is hope in the glory that Christ is in us, as he goes on to say. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need hope, yes, because God has got things stored up for us. But it worked because we have hope, the hope of Christ in us. That is the glory that we show it. We show the flag, we make the vote, we demonstrate the colours by our everyday life. And in this we have confidence, assurance, and we are, of course, protected as well. I don't think Paul visited Colossae and Laodicea, um, and that's why he says in the second chapter and the first couple of verses, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You'll notice this lovely idea of, of how it, it may not seem obvious to the real world at all, but the great power of God's working out, it is stored, it is hidden, it is to be revealed, it is placed in us to work throughout our whole life and experiences and our behaviour and it will control every fibre of our moral principle if we accept its presence and let it live within us, brothers and sisters, though it's unseen and it's hidden so much. Um, and this was the idea that he was trying to convey that and what we've come to remember the presence of Jesus this morning, that in Christ... He is our value and our protection and our security. His life, his ministry and his giving of his life. These are the real treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this is the flag we should be flying in every part of our life, as I've already said. But of course, we do live in the real world. And therefore, Paul does warn us um, in verse 20 of chapter 2, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, then that's how you should be. We have died to the real world, brothers and sisters, metaphorically. It is dead to us. It isn't part of our province of interest or or experience. We've died to it. And then this other uh, part of 
Today's reading begins, since then you have been raised with Christ. So having died to the, to the real world, albeit surrounded by it and endeavoured by it to protect us, having died to it, nonetheless, the response that follows that is that we have been raised in Christ. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is set on the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, will appear, you will appear with him in glory. Passionate and beautiful words to take away from this place this morning and to take with us through life. That whatever befalls us, and you can just imagine the awfulness of that announcement, the awfulness of that announcement of that dear brother and sister who have already lost two children, two sons, and the pain of that as some have had awful experience, and maybe a third, it's, it, it's awful. But the only way to rise above that actual tragedy, and it is possible, is the confidence and assurance that our ultimate life is hid with Christ in God. Take it away, brothers and sisters. Nail it. Nail it to the mast of your voyage. Fly that flag in your everyday life. Let that be the bunting of your colours and the cup that you want to take the wine from in the kingdom of God. That is where our hope and assurance must be in this beautiful letter which Paul wrote to those people. We died and we've been raised again and the future of our life is hidden with Christ in God. Maybe it's one of the greatest verses in the chapter to give us confidence and assurance. And however bad things can be, and they can be very bad in life, don't shrink from that fact. They can be very bad. And in some situations there appears to be no answer why things happen. And I'm not glib when I say it. It actually doesn't matter. It might matter to us. It will matter. We will be sad, heartbroken, disappointed, deceived, let down, forsaken. It doesn't matter. And in those times, the best recommendation is, get out this book, read this letter, and build on this solid assurance that it isn't the, the hard hats or the yellow coats or the laws and regulations that protect us or give us security. It is the very fact that our life is hid in Christ with God. And that's how it will always be until time reveals it anything differently from that. That is the battle we have to fight. This is where our real patriotism should rest in the hope of Israel. This is where our ensign should be lifted and this is where our vote should be cast. And we should live well above the mundane and weaknesses of our natural life and so in order to invest in this. Can I just read again? the warnings of Paul because in the real world in the real world verse 5 Paul says put to death therefore you have died and raised again now it's your turn put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature 
sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such these things. Anger. I mean, these are so much a part of our natural lives. The world can't protect us from these. The yellow coats and the hard hats, it cannot prevent this. But we must, because of the hope invested by God and hidden in Christ, in God, with Christ in God. Rid yourselves of anger and rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie. Take off your old self with its practices and you have now put on the new self which is renewed in knowledge and is the image of the creator. These are fabulous worlds and it is the world that we have been joined to. And in verse 12 of this chapter, he then gives us these... I I know I'm reading it again, we we read it just now, but I think it's worth repetition. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, not with yellow coats. They might make you seen, but they won't really protect you or hard hats. Clothe yourselves with compassion. Now, this is protection. This is security, this is assurance, this is wealth and gives us a richness through which we can overcome the tragedies that will befall us and there will be many, maybe. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other, forgive what grievances you have, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's a most wonderful message. And this final message um, to them, it's such a tonic and it's so comforting. Again, I'd just like to read it, verse 2 of chapter 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful I wasn't cynical, brothers and sisters, when I said earlier about these laws and regulations. You might think I was. I was trying to be realistic because that's what the real world offers us. But the world of the kingdom of God that we wish to, will enter. We've been promised to enter that. That we should never shrink from. This is the world that we're living towards. Devote yourself to prayer, prayer, be watchful and thankful. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. I pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the acts towards outsiders. Make use of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Opportunity. It's, it's all the opportunities are out there to show the flag, to put up the bunting. To make your vote for Jesus and the Lord. The opportunities are there. Don't waste them. Be favourable to outsiders and impress them with the things that really matter. And that's the way you do show your thankfulness to God. There is just a little warning in the final chapter. He says in verse 14 of chapter 4, Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Interesting, very nice, until you realise that he also wrote later to Timothy, and he says in the second letter uh, of Timothy, 
um, chapter 4 verse 9 do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved this world has deserted me now there's one who actually picked up on the real world and he chose the real world more than the world of Jesus and of God he loved the present world too much he had its pleasure, its lust and its excitement he had no protection in the end and he forsook Paul and so Paul makes this warning for us so can we just remind ourselves finally as we now come to break bread and remember the Lord Jesus Christ Paul's Lord and our Lord that the brilliance of Paul's living example in hammering home the power of this message in this letter is because he speaks with experience his genuineness of passion is because he was he endured I talked just now about problems about tragedies about difficulties let us never forget he was a man who had been flogged four or five times um, the other day I was cutting the lawn and the cable got twisted on the little bare thing you've got in the garden and I just flicked it so that it would un, un, untangle itself and in flicking it, it was only me that could do this I gave myself a welt on the back I don't know what happened, it just came out and, it whacked, and I thought, oh and I couldn't help thinking Paul had another 48 of those five times. He's a man who's speaking with absolute passion and belief. Not just a theoretical letter. Not just John Brand on the platform getting a bit hot because he is hot and gets very excited about stuff. Nothing to do with that. He was a man who absolutely had the passion and the experience in his floggings, his beatings, his imprisonment, his cold, his hunger, his shipwreck, his rejection, his forsaking. But nonetheless, because he was now in chains, was going to be executed fairly soon, it had no difference, it made no difference to his assurance and hope and belief in how he was protected by God because his, like our life, was hidden in Christ with God. And that was his absolute belief and passion. I just hope that in these few moments this morning, as we've now come to share, to relearn the, the power of death and resurrection, what we've been raised to, assurance and confidence of what is laid up for us, brothers and sisters, whatever confronts us, we can sail through with the right vote for Jesus and showing our true allegiance for him. And in this bread and wine, remember that it's all been done for us and it's just waiting for us in God's time to hand it to us and allow us to enjoy the blessings of eternity, the blessings of protection now and eternity in due course in his good time. Thank you, John, for your your thoughtful, your, your timely words to us this morning. Before we share bread and wine, we're going to sing together, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. And this reminds us that sometimes the, the, the protection that, that we need, that, that they're given, is because of the things that we do. Sometimes we're perverse, sometimes we're foolish, we stray. All too often. And yet, the Lord rejoices, he, he, he carries us gently back. Sometimes 
there are things which happen to us. Sometimes we walk through death's dark veil. And yet before us is laid a table already of gladness and delight from knowing where our lives are, are hid. And so because of this, through the length of our days, we're reminded that the goodness of our Lord never fails, that within his house forever we may sing praises. Let's sing together. So we, we come to think about the, the ultimate act of protection, of compassion, of kindness, of gentleness. The life, the death, the resurrection of our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. David Brighouse is going to lead us in our thanks of the bread. Heavenly Father, we, we have just sung of a time and a place where streams of living water flow. A time when through all the length of days your goodness will never fail. And we are reminded that that time, the, the wonder of, of your kingdom promised when the Lord returns, is something that, that you offer to us. A wonderful time of peace. And, and what we crave is that the the peace of Christ should rest in our hearts. And it can, and it does. And this is because you gave your Son and he gave his life that we might live. And he asked us that we should remember him in this particular way by sharing bread and wine. And so... We thank you for the bread, for everything that it tells us about, for everything that it reminds us of about our Lord. And it leads us to think of, as we have sung, our ransomed souls because of the Lord Jesus. So we thank you for the bread. Bless it, we pray. Bless us. As we share it together, we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Loving Father, please help us to know that when we come here each week as a family together, that we do think of Jesus in the week and that we want to be together all the time. Please help us to focus our love always and to act in love towards each other. Help us to remember that what Jesus did for all those people was always the right thing to do and that we always try to do the right thing too. Sometimes that doesn't work out and we need to come to you to show our love. And we thank you that you've called us to come here today. And as a family we share this wine together and remember what Jesus did for us. And please help us to not forget that. And when we're in times of trouble and times of need, please help us to come to you and 
when we're happy and we're celebrating, when you've blessed us with whatever we need, please help us to show that love to others and to spread your word. Thank you for this wine now. And thank you for blessing it to us. Thank you so much for, much for Jesus. And we praise you now in his name. Amen. Let's close our meeting together by, by singing about the time of our Lord's return. A prayer of, re, of request as much as a, a, a hymn of praise. Lord, come then in thy kingdom, set up on earth thy throne, and lest thy sheep grow weary, come take them for thine own, and turn our faith to sight. Father in heaven, you have set eternity in our hearts, and Father, we thank you for our hope, a hope of an end to suffering, a hope of no more pain, a hope of life, a hope of peace, a hope of eternity spent with your dear Son, the Lord Jesus. And Father, we ask and we pray that that hope that we have will be visible to those around us in the real world. Not by means of a high-vis jacket, but by means of kingdom virtues, of compassion, of humility, of gentleness, and above all, of love. Father, we pray that you will clothe us in love and that your love will be a banner above us, the bunting, the flag that we fly. Father, we pray that those that we meet in our daily lives will experience your love and the love of your Son, the Lord Jesus. We pray that they will experience that in the way that we are and that they too may come to have the wonderful hope that we have, the hope of life eternal. So, Father, we pray above all that you will send Jesus soon and come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Amen.